0: Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health,
1: fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about building muscle whilst losing fat. Is it actually possible? Mm, the golden question. <laughs> everyone's goal (laughs) oh yeah and this i think this was inspired
0: by a like a question that came through the dms recently when um i sort of shared on my story one of our clients kate who was the same weight she was both 64 kilos in the before and after photo but she looked very different and this is something that we call body recomposition which is when you build muscle and lose fat at the same time to be able to lead to like a different um, body composition at the end of the day and i think it's a really Really important topic because i think a lot of the time we talk about weight loss or weight gain um and we need to really detach weight from being a, a solid metric and even for myself like i work with a lot of women that i would say um they're not overweight right like they're sort of normal bmi healthy women that just want to improve their body composition and i myself have seen some like pretty significant changes with the same weight, right? It's very common in females, but not a lot of people talk about it because, you know, losing five kilos or getting on stage, like all of these extremes are really sexy. But I am always on the fence of imagine if you could just like maintain your weight but look better over time. Like that's really the goal, right, being able to do something like that. And it is definitely possible, but a lot of people say
1: it's not. Absolutely. It doesn't really have the same ring to it. Stay the same weight, but change your yeah. body. Like, no, it's not as clicky um, as as the quick um, quick fat loss or, or, or weight gain, you know. But I remember a couple of years ago, it was really trendy. And, and you know, you and I both, both posted a side by side. And then you used to write your weight underneath. Remember how those posts were a thing, like back mm. before reels and all that. And I really did like that because it did show that you know, scale weight didn't matter because visibly you could see the changes side by side. Yeah. Um, We don't see it as much. So I think that's why when you did post it again, people were like, oh my God, like they either were new to the industry and and was unaware that, that you could do that, or mm. they just needed that reminder because they've forgotten. Because in mm. reels, again, everything gets lost. It's kind of a message that has, yeah, been lost over time. So Um, we're going to talk about today a bit of the science behind it, reasoning, how to steer away from just looking at the scale. Um, But yeah, it's definitely been around, but it did get lost a little bit. So let's bring it back. We'll bring back the awareness on body recomposition as a goal.
0: Yeah, really good. I actually hadn't thought of it through that lens of like how a lot of that content's been lost. I was like, I definitely think I've got quite a lot of it on my page, to be honest. And I wouldn't be um, Showing away from saying that, like, I'll definitely do it again. Do you know, I think those reminders need to come out that you can gain weight and look different or you can stay the same weight and look better depending on what your goal is. And like you said, because it's turned so video format, um, you don't actually get that static view at a lot of those things anymore. But even from my own personal experience, and a lot of you guys listening probably know, but I share a hell of a lot of this sort of stuff on my Instagram. Um, when I first started... I guess, lifting, I always maintained, even throughout high school, I always maintained around the 50 kilo mark. That was always my number. I remember when I hit the 50 kilos, it's so light now when mm. I think about it. I remember when I hit the fifties and I was like, whoa, like an, a, another number, you know, five in front yeah. of the road. Um, And that was just always my, I guess, maintenance weight around there. And then as I, I got into running, I actually lost a little bit of weight and I was probably like late forties, early fifties, which I'm like, wow, that is so light, but I just didn't have, muscle mass like i do now and i'm only 164 centimeters tall so i'm not very tall um but now like i actually weighed myself this morning i was 64.9 and i'm just throwing these numbers out no comparison sake we're all completely different but that is a significant amount off the top of my head like that's a lot of weight like 15 kilos um pretty much heavier than when i first started training and that's a lot for someone my size and if i put up comparison photos now you would be able to see the definition you'd be able to see the shapes you'd be able to see the muscle mass um and arguably i don't actually believe my body fat percentage would be much different fully transparent like being 50 kilos versus 64 65 at the moment I think my body fat percentage would be relatively similar, um, but the biggest difference is going to be the amount of muscle mass that I now carry. So I'm not sure what your experience is, but that was a big, um, like it's important for me to reflect on that so that I don't feel as though weight loss is an indicator of a better body composition.
1: A hundred percent, and it's all a reflection of your lifestyle, your goals, um, age as well. So many things come into it. I mean, how long ago was that time where you were running? Like ten years, maybe? Jesus,
0: oh, um, yeah. I think, like, like I said, I always maintained about the fifty kilos um, throughout high school, and then yeah. when I went to uni, I might have fluctuated up and down a little bit. Don't That's even know if I did weigh yeah. myself, <laughs> but yeah, I think maybe. I mean, like, I remember when I first started competing, I got as light as 46 kilos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was, I don't even know, maybe when I was 22, uh, 23. So, yeah, I mean, like my weight's just always stayed around that. But as I've become more trained, like my body weight set point, which is something we can chat about a little bit later on, my body weight set point just has gradually gone up as I've gained uh, gained lean tissue over the years. So, yeah, I would say like, yeah, from the age of 23, I was always still probably around that mark until up until now.
1: Yeah, cool. So what, six years, five, five, six years, and that's a long time. Um, when you think of it. So maybe a kilo a year. Um, just if we're talking relatives. Again, yep. Sherelle mentioned it's not to compare weight. Oh, Sherelle weighs this much. Danny weighs this much. To compare it's, my weight to my weight. Yeah. Comparing it to yourself over the course of a very long timeline. And along that timeline has been activity changes. You know, you only just started briefly taking up running now you weren't running the marathons that you used to back then or playing your sport um you've obviously been lifting this whole time with intent being in surpluses deficits competing along the way it's it's a big journey um that's quite similar from mine as well often i've spoke at the time that you were running and doing your sports i was playing sport as well um before any of uh the gym work or the serious gym work in that so me too i'm probably about 12 kilos heavier Than what my set point was as well, and for the life of me, there's no way I don't I'd I'd be able to get down to that weight in a healthy way, and I don't aspire to. Um, Psychologically, sometimes you can go back and forth and say, "Wow, I'm not used to my pants feeling like this," or you know, back in the day, blah blah blah. But you need to take it for face value of where you're at right now and reward yourself. I got to this. Body composition, or this weight, or this time in my life through hard work, through effort, through setting new goals, closing the door on the past and opening a beautiful new one. Times change, and so does your body, and Mm -hmm. that is okay. So it's hard because you often see people posting throwbacks, or, you know, I used to look like this, and you can tell that they're reminiscing on the past, and it's like, okay, cool. You can use that for fuel if if yeah. you can, but it's a dangerous um, line to tread because then you can get stuck in in that past and what used to be. And often our mind creates a better reality in the yeah. past when you're reflecting. You need to remember no that was me then, this is me now, times have changed, you know, people in the gym being strong is being rewarded now. Um, just just enjoy it. So when you are reflecting and going back, if you do go through that process that we just did, try and remember, um, you know, focus on what's real right now and what you can do going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm not even like remotely the same person. So it's like mm. not even a fair comparison. One of the biggest quotes that I hate is like, only <laughs> compare yourself to you. It's like, I think that's a bad thing to do as well. Because if I compared myself to when I first started competing, like that's pretty much the same as me comparing me to you. Do you know what I mean? So I'm a completely mm. different person. It's not even relevant. And I think so many people are like, yeah, I want to get to this weight. Um, and I, I I talk to clients a lot about this. They're like, yeah, I want to get to this weight. And I go, when was the last time that you were that weight? Like, oh yeah, when I was like 17, I'm like, cool. Like, le- like pre-puberty, can we yeah. leave that? Do you know what I mean? I just think we just need to let go um, of that mentality of still trying to strive towards a goal weight. Um, and I think being reminded of body recomposition and being able to go through processes like this, and it's not all about the scale, it's one metric and how it actually happens and the science behind it, the physiology, it allows you to truly let go of the weight as being an indicator because there's so many other variables that we need to take into account. And I also have a pretty strong bias and belief that if you're a female that has a healthy BMI, like you don't have a significant amount of body fat uh, to lose and you do want to get leaner, the process that you have to follow is very different to someone that is in the general population that might be carrying an excess of 5, 10, uh, 15, 20 kilos to lose. Um, And now metrics also need to be different because we still work off percentages, right? And even when I was um, like dieting for my show earlier in the year, um, like losing 05 of a percent for me each week was like two, three hundred grams per week, right on average, and that is almost like, like I can't even read that on a scale. Some week, I get like, my period, I'm up a kilo. Do you know what I mean? So your metrics are very different, and scales has to be something that we learn to take off face value and read the signs through other variables, which often we suck at because we put a subjective, emotional lens on it.
1: Oh yeah, and like often when you reflect. Um, as you mentioned people say I want to be this weight um, and then you can kind of say yeah well how old were you 17 people think that they were happier because of that weight but often who wasn't well I don't know people have different but when you're 17 you're more carefree you probably went out having fun like you forget that there were so many other lifestyle factors that led to that happiness it wasn't just about that weight um, so yeah but the other metrics aside from the scale that needs to be you know, put behind BMI, you know, you go to the GP and they still do your BMI and it's just so incorrect. That's tailored to general population who, you know, probably can be considered obese on the scale. But then if you get a trained person holding muscle mass the, the metrics of the BMI and the way that they test it doesn't account for that muscle mass. So automatically it counts it as body fat, which then puts you up in a higher category. So most bodybuilders, even if they were one day out for a show, like like big bodybuilders, males holding, holding a lot of muscle, they would be put in the obese category on that BMI um, testing method. So again, I don't know why they do that
0: yeah i don't know either it's funny we used to have to use it for pregnant women too that you're make kidding part of the policy to do people's bmi i'm yeah. like so stupid sorry <laughs> about this um, just step on the scale don't worry yeah. about it um and yeah i think with the thing with like bmi or body mass index um we're probably all i think i feel like we all had to do that in like pa right like figure out your bmi um, oh it's so stupid and i'm definitely punching the overweight for my um my size i remember doing it the other day um when i was just doing some reading but something to consider is like if you are an athlete like if you are a trained athlete um bodybuilder like someone that is an active gym goer is sort of what i classify as a bodybuilder as well uh, and you do have a good amount of muscle mass you're quite active like you can just sort of like throw that away if you're a gen like gen pop um and you're not even like training like maybe you just go for walks whatever it might be bmi can be like a good metric because you don't really have the lean tissue that's going to throw outliers for that calculation but moreover it doesn't matter it's just another the way that health practitioners can really scale people to say whether you need to um, like watch what you're eating or change your lifestyle. And again, there's still so many other variables um, to be able to predict that.
1: Yeah, and skin folds is another one that just shouldn't be used on general population. No. I, I'm not sure if they still do it, but when I had drew my attention on it still a few years ago, they were still using mm. it. And it's like, oh, unless you're again competing or have a quite a complex goal that revolves around getting revolves around getting to quite low body fat percentage, you don't need to like. If someone grabbed me right now and did my skin folds, I'd be like, "There's no need. Like, don't go me away. touch me. Get yeah. off. <laughs> Put them away." Yeah, I. <laughs> definitely um
0: i used skin folds for my own prep uh, but it's very different like competing uh and that was mostly because the scalars for me are so unreliable like i said they're so unreliable but the thing with skin folds and other metrics of like being able to visually measure um progress you need the same person the same time of day the same calipers, like all the same conditions the same with as you're weighing in and this is why it's so important to understand weight as a whole and what actually weight means body weight means um versus body composition and even if we just like went over i guess like just some factors that cause scale weight to change which is probably not new information for a lot of you guys are uh, listening but muscle gain it's quite an obvious one. And I just like to shake people sometimes because they're like, I'm gaining weight. I'm like, cool, you're probably gaining muscle too. Like, are you are getting stronger? How do you feel? Like, what else are you noticing? I can see your delts growing a little bit there. Like, can you see that? And I think often when we're in a deficit, right, when we're in a dieting phase, the goal is to lose weight, right? Like, or genuinely lose body fat, I should say. Um, We anticipate the scales are going to go down, for example, when we're in a calorie deficit. So when we're in a calorie surplus, us, the opposite should be true. Or even when we're, I guess, training to grow, right? If we want to grow, we're going to become a bigger person and becoming a bigger person generally usually may mean there's going to be some weight gain. And both you and I, Danny, like we've gone through periods where I'm like, I remember putting on like my first couple of solid years of really good trading. Like I have broken I put on a baby six, seven kilos in that first year. And I was like, holy shit, this is not right. And I remember starting a prep, um, the heaviest I'd ever been, which was at the time I think it would have been like 62 or 63 kilos, Um, and being like, this is heavy. Like I've never started a prep this heavy. But it really – Change the the predictions for me it just like wipe the slate I'm like okay like my previous preps like nothing accounts to where I am now or previous dieting phases and I think it's really important to go into any new chapter whether it's a cut build or maintain with that mentality of just being able to wipe the slate um, like wipe everything
1: clean because it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what you did it just matters about your current position that's right because then if you did start at the same point as last time, then you haven't done your building season right or you haven't, you haven't changed. So mm. you want everything or a few things to be different um, when you, when you start that next goal anyway. Otherwise you're just cruising and and that defeats the purpose of having a goal and working towards it. Um, so yes, muscle gain, even I still have to tell people sometimes and you know, it's, We think it's common knowledge in our bubble, but again, out in the real world, people are not aware that muscle tissue weighs more than fat. And it's just something that will probably be um, a misconception for a long time, but we're here to talk about that. So gaining muscle will cause the scale weight to change. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fluid retention, which now that my um, cycle is super regular, and I'm I'm proud to say that now, but I get all of it, all of it. Holding yeah. fluid. i got my period right now and I just feel like a water balloon. Just, yeah. yeah. I, there's no way I'm going to jump on the scale now because what for? There's no mm-hmm. point. I know I've got my period. I know I'm holding water um, and that's it. So, yeah, yeah no need. Uh, also, if you have a meal with high salt, you can retain fluid as well. or even Me sh- after faux every time I, I have faux. Right? <laughs> yeah. You had it the other day. I saw it yeah. in your story. It looked delicious. Got to love it. Sorry to everyone who actually pronounces it correctly as well. It's actually pho really no it's fur fur okay that's the weirdest thing but I just feel weird saying it like can I have some chicken fur yeah (laughs) no um having yeah high salt or msg high carbs as well like if I have a lot of sweets or something the next day I just hold it in my face like (laughs) again so times that you wouldn't jump on the scale right
0: Yeah, or times it don't matter. Like understanding that the outliers, um, I'm like a little bit of a data junkie. So even when like I track my weights daily, um, if I have like a really high day from a cycle or something like that, it sort of pisses me off a little bit to the point where I don't want to track it because it's like I know that this is an outlier, but outliers throw everything else out. So Mm. I think that's why it's important to have like have context. Like if I get my cycle and I jump on the scale and it's like two kilos heavier, I don't input that if I'm tracking my weights daily. Like I don't input it because I'm sort of like this one outlier, like I know it's up just because of this. Um, and I don't believe it's actually a true indication of body composition. So I'm probably just not going to log it in the device. It's going to give me my weekly average. Um, yeah. I, it's like sort of tracking your food and knowing that one entry is really incorrect. Like, don't use that entry, right? Mm -hmm. Like pick the food source that you know is actually correct. Don't pick your weight, but similar analogy. Um, I think as well, like as women, we go through cycles like across the whole month. So you need to be almost comparing your week one in September to your week one in October, like those weights. That's actually what is a true indicator um, of your body in the same physiological state. But when we talk about fluid retention, it's not just hormones that impact that, or maybe it is a cascade of hormones, but it's not just your menstrual cycle. It's going to be things like sleep, um, you know, that impacts stress hormones like cortisol. It's going to be things like training, right? You have a really hard leg session. um, You're going to be quite inflamed. Those muscles are going to be holding a lot of fluid because that's what happens as a part of the recovery process. And all of these things are like not good nor bad. They just are. It's just physiology. And we can't get too caught up in it. The same if we, I don't know, have a bout of diarrhea and you get on the scales and the they're lighter, you're not going to start celebrating, <laughs> are you? You know it's not the truth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> and all of these examples are just reasons to get educated about your own body and know that there are so many other factors that can change the scale. So it doesn't mean that you're not getting closer to your goal. Like it doesn't mean that you're not recomping your body. It's just at that moment in time, the hormones oversaw um the they they dominated so then mm-hmm. the scale weight went up you're holding fluid you might have eaten a little bit later the night before so you hadn't really digested your meal yet you mightn't have gone to the toilet yet I remember yeah. for checking you're always gonna make sure you go to the toilet first because yeah that can um that can change it as well so there are so many factors that can change the scale aside from gaining uh fat so yeah, yeah get educated about it Um, practice tracking it on yourself and what you said so beautifully don't compare week to week but compare week one of month one to week one of month two and do it that way I really like that idea Mm.
0: you know something I've been thinking about as well is um like when I went through sort of a dieting phase at the start of the year I dropped a couple of kilos and I was like yeah probably back at like my maintenance like after a building phase and I was like you know what, it's not um, like, it's definitely not as sexy as what a lot of people would uh, promote and sell. But I'm like, I'm going to sit here and try and consolidate this new body weight set point, this body fat percent set point, this calorie range. I'm not even going to try and build up my calories. I'm just going to like have more flexibility with life and um, do all those things, but just try and maintain where I'm at and go through that period and then get to a stage where I feel like this is normal for me and then be able to reassess what I want to do. And I was sort of thinking, I was chatting to Luke about this as well, I sort of thinking and saying, to him um, because when he did his Achilles, he gained a lot of weight because he couldn't do anything. Like mm. gained like sort of like 10 kilos, which fists, mm. a guy that size, not that much, anyways, in my opinion. Um, but he gained quite a bit of weight just from being sedentary. And so he went through sort of a fat loss phase at the start of the year and, and lost all of that weight. And I was just saying to him, I was like, now that you've dropped the weight, um, just sit here. Like just don't try and do anything. I want you to build your calories back up, putting back up on his maintenance calories, etc. Just sit here. And he's like blown away. He's like, Whoa, like I'm eating like 4,000 calories in my like my weight. It's not changing and I'm only, you know, doing. 5,000 steps, not very active and you know, he doesn't exercise much, goes for the odd run Um, sort of like normal population right? And I was like, yes like this is what we should be normalising because you you can't lose everything all at once, you've got to do it in chunks, right? You're not going to get to your goal body ever but you can't expect to lose more than 10% of your body weight and then all of a sudden maintain it. I want you to drop what's realistic, sit here enjoy life, not feel restricted you know, restore your relationship with food do all the things that you want to do and then have that opportunity to go again and it made me think because like I do this sort of like on my own subconsciously but then I was thinking I wonder if we all learn as like humans to maintain the weight that we lose at periods of time if we learnt to not yo-yo if we learn to not cut build all the time if we let go of that mentality would we ever need to diet again you know, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But I was like, if we actually got to a body composition where we thought it was, we could enjoy our life. We liked the way we looked, etc. And we sat there for a period of time and realized that we could maintain the goal if we just didn't blow back over. Would we ever have to go through dieting phases again? Love to hear your thoughts. I'm not sure.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. And kudos for Luke for for doing the work and getting the rewards. Good on him. Um, I. Uh, Just to be clear on what you're saying, so if people felt comfortable at their maintenance and were enjoying their life, then the need to diet would disappear? Is that what you're sort of saying? I think so. Well, why do people diet? It depends. It depends what their maintenance is. If everyone Mm. was at a healthy body fat in which they could maintain, be social, fulfil all of life's needs, then no. Why would you need to change? But Mm. there's so many other factors, mental health, um, that goes into it, distorted views on the body, um, thinking that getting to this body weight will lead to happiness or having a lack of control when going out, you know, drinking with the, your friends and then you need to go back. So I feel like there are so many environmental mm. factors that may have gotten worse in this day and age, sitting on computers, you know, as humans have evolved. I think those environmental factors have have had more of play compared to when you rewind, you know, a thousand years or whatever was happening back then where we didn't have all this. People just had to go and get their food, you know, walk around, very active, always upright, um, probably didn't have all these social expectations on themselves. I don't think that people would have been dieting back then, to mm. be honest. It was more survival. Rather now we have everything at our fingertips. We're using food as, you know, in in- good and bad ways social you know you cook for your family or you go out together enjoy meals but then also for comfort as well so Mm. I think food is being used as a different tool to to back then but I would say if everyone's happy with where they're at then the need to change yourself would diminish Mm.
0: yeah I guess my thought was you know how people go through like challenges and they drop 5-10 kilos and they're like oh, I'm so happy like whatever that changes but they get to this composition that they're happy with right they get to this body comp or this weight and they're like I'm happy being here this is good like this is the goal I reached the goal they feel like they reached their target goal yes if they learned to sustain that and sat there for 12 months and sustained that target goal would the need to diet go away like yes 100%. we might yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I was like, you know what, this is probably a phase that we all need to really learn how to consolidate. And this is the phase where not only mentally we become more habitual and routine with the behaviours that got to us that point, but also to allow our body to go through this like resetting process, to reset our body fat percentage set point or body weight set point. Because my going back to my conversation with Luke, and luckily he doesn't listen to this anymore, I was saying to him, <laughs> you, need to, yeah, you need to sit here and consolidate this weight. Like, let's not put it back on. Let's not yo-yo back. You need to sit here and consolidate it. So this is your new set point. Right. And he's like, yeah, like, that's fine. We can do that. And I'm like, this is great. This is easy, you know, but mm-hmm. then I was like, I wonder if this eradicates if you sit to that set point. And this is excluding people that always want to be leaner leader as well. This is like when someone reaches a, a body composition, they're like, this is a weight that I feel really comfortable at. This is a body fat percentage. I feel really comfortable at. I'm happy with the amount of muscle mass that I have. Like this is these people. If we learn to sit in that and actually consolidate it, does it eradicate the need for constantly trying to eat less, constantly going on um, challenges and diets and doing these round and round circle things? And I was thinking, I think it does, but the hard part is that's really difficult. That is harder than dieting. That is harder than dieting is trying to maintain within a certain, like, you know, a couple of kilo weight range of whatever you might normally do. Um, And I think it's a missing piece of the puzzle. Like no no one really commits or invests during that stage. And this is why they go back to the starting position. Like it'd be like, Luke throwing away all that 12 months of work to add the 10 kilos back, which, you know, you won't do, but it's just sort of like doing that. And I think we do it in micro levels, right? Because for us, it's not going to be 10 kilos, it's going to be a lot less, Um, but for certain people and given their lifestyle, et cetera, it's just something I was pondering of like whether this maintenance consolidation period is treated with as much diligence as a dieting phase or a surplus.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting point. And that's what I was saying, though. There are so many external factors that can draw someone away from staying at maintenance, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and that's why it's so hard because they might want validation all of a sudden. They might go on a holiday and travel for three months. And so I think staying at maintenance, and this is, you know, what's hard, staying at maintenance requires never changing your actions Mm -hmm. in that regard. And as humans, that can be very boring. We always want something to strive towards. We always want, you know, so if you're seeking that validation, that sense of accomplishment through training and nutrition, then staying at maintenance takes that away because that is going to be the same forever, if that's yeah. your goal. People, there's, and and I've been at the point where I haven't, like, I haven't weighed myself in months now, because I'm like, I'm just cruising. Like, I feel like I'm at that point, but I'm not talking about it on social media, because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, this is my life, my awareness isn't on it, and I'm just doing it automatically. I'm getting that validation from other things now. And so it's not something that you can really showcase on social media mm. as well, if we're talking about it from that point, because it literally looks the same. And on social media, we're drawn to change and and all of those things that I just rattled off. So, but again, I've never really thought about it in that light. So it's a really interesting discussion, but it is such a peaceful spot to be at when you are just happy with that and you don't actually have to the only work is to maintain it and or maybe sit within two kilos either side it's a really nice space to be in but it can get very boring Mm.
0: And but probably the goal, right? Like probably the end goal. Like hopefully we should all sort of learn to be happy and and content. And like yes, we love striving towards change. But my, I guess even coming back to body recomposition, my point with this is like why don't we do it through ch- um through training? Why don't we do it through other ways? Uh, why do we why do we do it in a way that doesn't actually mean you have to go through like a rigorous deficit or a weight loss phase? Because you can change your body, um, your body composition, your strength. Your performance, like you can change so many other variables without having to fixate on eating less, right? Yep. And I think that's the that's the key. Is like um, even for like Kate's example that I was talking about earlier. You know, she's just got one of those metabolisms where she can, you know, smash three thousand calories and look the sa- like have the wow, same body weight, but look different. Me. You <laughs> know, it's not normal either. I want to really highlight that. Like, that's a yeah, it's not a normal, very, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's someone with a very like what we'd call inefficient metabolism that they can sort of just eat a lot of food and, um, not gaining a lot of body fat, but then train hard at the same time and put on muscle mass instead. So great problem to have, but I think these are the little nuances that people think don't exist as well. And even though they are outliers, like what if you're that outlier too, you know, and you're just following the same advice from everyone else. And I think it happens more often than what I would think because weight loss, Advice is generalised and unfortunately you can't generalise something that needs to be Mm. customised like a calorie deficit. So therefore people are just getting on calorie calculators all the time, which is so fine. They're doing BMIs, which is so fine. They're doing these sort of metrics that is made for um, like general population really. And like I said, like if you're a female that is wanting to drop a couple of kilos, get a bit leaner, but then also maintain it, the protocols and the processes need to be different. Um, They're probably going to take a lot longer and they need to be a bit more gentle than, you know, drop, Five kilos, which every magazine sort of tells you to do, mm. and I think um, it's a really good message to be able to put out, and it's why we want to, I guess, spend a little bit of time talking about like the muscle gain potential of women and how you can change your body without having to change your weight. And even when I say that, I sound like a scam artist. Like, it. Like, change your a, body
1: without changing your weight. Yeah, say it in American, American
0: can, accent. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: can change American. your body and <laughs>
0: not lose your uh, lose any weight, but <laughs> the reality is that you actually can, and it's. <laughs> Called body recomposition. So obviously, if you're a newbie to the gym, like you're gonna go through it. You're gonna go through body recomposition, it's a given. Um, but what happens when you go beyond beginner stage? Like what happens when you've been training for a couple of years? Like, is it impossible? I don't think so, but um, a lot of people say it is. And I think it really just depends on a lot of other variables. But if you're a really, I guess, diligent gym goer, um, you are applying progressive overload, you're training with intent, and a few more things we're going to talk about, it absolutely is possible. It definitely is.
1: A hundred percent. We've seen it firsthand. We've been through it. We we know it as a fact, but um, newbie gains, and we've spoken about this on previous podcasts, it's a great time. People think that newbies have it the toughest, maybe because there's a lot of um, new environments, you know, they're learning new skills and all of that. But their results are always so much more um, transformational than someone who's been in the game for a long time. So you're more likely to recomp your body or even lose fat and gain muscle as a beginner because the changes you make will elicit the biggest responses. You might just have been even just going to the gym without any guidance or not really giving it that much effort. Then all of a sudden you add in a structured training program. Even without changing your nutrition, you can visibly change the way your body looks and functions, particularly in that um, initial phase. But as you were saying, you know, the magic question, is it possible when you're more advanced? Absolutely. But the effort required is much more than a beginner because our bodies get so used to adapting to the stimuli that we place on it all the time. And we can't just keep training harder and harder and harder and harder. We need to add that element of smart training, resting, recovering, All of those different factors make such a difference um, to even get a tiny change, like what you were saying earlier, two to three hundred grams. Like that might not sound like a lot, but it really is for someone who's been training a decade, you know, so it's much harder as you get more advanced, but it is possible.
0: Whenever I think of like weight, I always think of chicken breast. I don't know why, but like when what? I think, of, I think of chicken breast. Like three hundred grams of chicken breast, like lean chicken breast. That's actually a lot of tissue. Oh, that right? is like, a lot. Can I just <laughs> put two chicken breasts on my shoulders and cut it in half? <laughs> no one would notice. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I think of chicken breast because I'm like, you know, when I hear people complain, like, oh, I only lost five hundred grams this week. I'm like, are you kidding? Like five hundred grams of chicken breast? Can you? That's actually a lot. I love a that. Lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, I think with when it yeah. comes to like gaining muscle as women, um, there's a like a great uh, author, researcher, I don't know what his name is, but his name's Lionel McDonald. Uh and he has he wrote the book um oh, Strength and Something for Women. He's like, oh, it's on the shelf. What, the women's book. Sorry, it's over there. A pointing to it on the Zoom? A Guide (laughs) to Nutrition, um, like a a female book, and it's quite a heavy read. I think he wrote it with Eric Helms, um, which a lot of you guys probably know of. But- he puts out a lot of research um, just around women specifically. And he's got this, um, like this chart where it really highlights muscle gain estimates for women. And he calculated that in the first year of training for a, um, a female, you can gain up to like five and a half kilos of lean tissue. And that's really important to consider because, we're never going to gain 100% muscle mass. Um, we're always going to gain, I don't know what the percentage is, but maybe like an extra 30 40% of that is going to be non-ling tissue. So that's going to be things like, you know, glycogen and absolutely um, uh, body fat and also fluid, right? You're going to gain that. So if someone can gain like 5.5 kilograms of muscle, arguably that could be up to like 10 kilograms, um, 7, 8, 9, 10 kilograms of weight on your body. Mm, that bone you density get. as bone well density density and
1: that's quite heavy too, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's a lot of tissue. And even when I was reflecting back, like my first year or so of proper training, when I did gain like five, six kilos, I was like, this seems impossible because everyone tells me I should only be gaining a couple of hundred grams a month, blah, blah, blah. This is before (laughs) I started reading a lot of his work. And I was like, don't let it get in your head. And I remember putting photos up. I still remember like me putting up a photo of me being like 56 kilos um, and then putting up a photo of me being 62.5. I do remember this specific one <laughs> because it was only like eight months apart wow. um, and it was a very significant difference. And I look back now and I go, I probably was still a beginner. Like I think a lot of people think beginner uh, and intermediate and advanced is based off years in the gym and it's just not because we all know Gary who's been going to the gym for 10 years and does the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beginner, right? He's a beginner. Um, should probably use a female name but, you know, I feel like I don't nah, want to say Gary is good. <laughs> no,
1: don't say Karen. We,
0: we love it. No, him. we'll go with yeah. Gary. Um, <laughs> so I think like even when I chat with a lot of um, women that come to us, I say like, you know, they go, oh, I'm quite advanced. Like every now and then they're like, yeah, been training for five, six years. I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, and then we'll get into it. And then I'm like, there's a big difference between training and then going through the motions Mm. or exercising. And this is the biggest piece guys. Like I thought I was training hard and I'd been competing for a couple of years. Right. And I don't even think I was training properly in my first years of competing. I'd just done it for a long period of time, maintained my newbie gains. Um, and genetics have a big, big, I guess, um, a big, player in muscle and body composition as well so really important to highlight that because you have a lot of potential to grow muscle mass if you actually commit yourself and if i had my time again i would have spent my first few years of training um even way back when i first started not in a deficit like i would have just eaten yeah. at maintenance or a small surplus like if i was being coached hopefully a good coach would have put me in a small surplus because they would have known this data and gone you have the capability to not get five years in to have extra exercise but to get 18 months in put on a good amount of muscle mass to set up a foundation for you to be a successful competitor a healthier female have good um bone density etc right and I, didn't, I don't want to say I wasted a lot of years, but things could have been sped up if I had good coaching and really understood this process and took building phases with as much care and attention and intent as what I did for dieting phases.
1: Yeah, we missed that window, didn't we? Like most people, when they reach out to a coach, want to lose weight. So you don't often reach out and say, hey, I want to put on five and a half kilos of muscle and, you know, train like an animal and do everything in that first year. Even though that is your potential, it almost sounds backwards. Um, And then we always preach, you know, learn the skills, blah, blah, blah. So that it can kind of be contradicting as well. It just depends on your goal. But naturally, most of us sort of do miss that window or you might hit it accidentally um i know when paul was younger he used to train like an absolute psychopath just because ignorance can be bliss sometimes and you just push yourself and when you're young you want to impress everyone and all of that so he actually grew most of his muscles when he was psychotic in the gym now looking back he's like I'm glad it happened, but I would never do that again. Like mm. it's yeah, so you can either you know have that mentality being a bit naive or just go in straight for a goal that requires a deficit and then you miss that muscle building potential. but luckily for um, body recomposition, it can still happen. You know, we recomped in the first year. It, it wasn't the five and a half kilos, but we were able to still gain muscle while losing weight just yeah. because we we're in that phase.
0: Yeah, and arguably it's probably different between men and women as well. Like I remember Eugene telling me stories of when he was in high school and he would get up at like 4 a.m. and go and do his first session and then go to the school gym after school and all that sort of crazy stuff. And I'm like, I just don't know if we did that. Do you know what I mean? Like we, I was doing pump. Like, I'll start for a run. (laughs) Different stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Like, we weren't going psychotic. Like, And I think when we first started getting into the gym, like, no one was talking about maintenance or surpluses either. And even when I was first in the gym way back when, like, other women weren't even in the gym then. Do you know what Mm. I mean? So it's really only become quite frequent um, and common that females are wanting to build muscle mass and understand the health benefits um, and then also the body composition changes from doing that. I feel like that's only really been the last five years maybe.
1: Within our awareness for sure again it's been so different but the classic I don't want to get bulky is still yeah. being said. So for people thinking, oh, I don't want to gain five and a half kilos, I'll get bulky. Well, you need to pair it with either being in a deficit or maintenance. So someone can get quote unquote bulky or you know bigger in frame if you are putting on muscle and body fat. You're gonna look bigger. But if you're actually recomping, you look smaller because you're you're building that muscle which is sculpting your body and then also losing body fat therefore your actual frame shrinks it's Mm -hmm. like when you know we were about to get on stage or if we see someone who's going to compete on social media they look massive rips dice and then you look at them in real life you're like oh my goodness you're tiny mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is it is an optical illusion obviously there are outliers you know people with PCOS or other hormonal imbalances um, where you can store weight more easily so there are going to be the outliers but on a general sense if you are looking after your nutrition while training really hard with the goal of recomping and muscle gain, you will not um, increase the frame or increase your body size.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just can't even believe that that myth still exists, to be honest. Like, it's just a, it's just the whole bulky mentality. I thought we're oh, past it, but yeah. And then it got on TikTok and I was like, no, we're not past it. Like, people no. still think training core makes it big. And like, people still believe these rubbish, but none of you guys, right? Like, none <laughs> of you guys will stick to this. Um, but something I wanted to touch on is like, maybe where, Often I see some women going wrong Mm. um, when it comes to trying to go through uh, body recomposition or growing phase or whatever it might be. And the first one is just avoiding weight or fat gain in general when it's actually that that sign of or that catalyst for growth and it's sort of what I spoke about before. I think a lot of um, females in particular, they have like a weight, a goal weight, a target weight, whether it's for the wedding or for summer, whatever it might be. They think I'll be happy when I reach this weight or lose a couple of kilos and it's just this number they get fixated on. And then when they step on the scales and it's a little bit heavier or a little bit lighter, when it's heavier, they feel bad, they feel shame, they go, like, you know, whatever. And then when it's lighter, they feel happy. Be. They they reward themselves intrinsically and go, oh, good, I've done something right here. And they have this, like, good-bad mentality with the scales and it's the wrong way to look at it because if you really want to change your body composition and, and you want to, I guess, create shapes in your body and you're training in the gym with weights to create change, you, you need to really take the number on the scale with a grain of salt and you need to not avoid weight gain because I really tried to fight that weight gain when I first went through it. But my like I wouldn't intellectually let myself, like I knew I had to eat my maintenance calories. I knew I had to train hard. I knew I had to have my rest days. I knew I shouldn't, you know, jack up my steps or increase my cardio. But the scales was the only thing that seemed to be like out of whack that I was like, wow, this is really growing. And there was part of me that wanted to interrupt this and go, okay, back into the deficit. Okay, add some cardio in, do some steps to try and resist the weight gain. But intellectually, I knew, no, this is part of the process, trust process, Little clear stuff um and it's not until you can really compare the photos because i was also doing my me- uh, my measurements at the same yeah. time and i was like measurements are fine like they don't really alter that much to be honest um but i just everything else was fine so i just knew to be like okay play it, cool like don't change anything and i was coaching myself at the time as well um and yeah like i think this is where people go wrong they want to just interrupt that weight gain but it's like actually That means you're probably doing the
1: right thing, right? Yeah. And, and you said it so perfectly. If you're just fixated on the scale, then yeah, it's not um, a realistic. Uh, Explanation of what's happening. So, you need other metrics like what you said photos, measurements. How do you feel when you move around? Um, How do your clothes feel on you? Like, what do you look like? What Mm -hmm. does your lifestyle look like? There's so many other factors. Humans love working towards goals. And it's the same, which we've spoken about, you know, setting a goal for how much you want to earn in a year. People just, and it's the same with the scale. People think they want to earn X amount or weigh X amount because then they'll be happy, but they don't actually know what the lifestyle would look like to get to that point. So they've set themselves up for failure because the goal they have set has you know, what's the reasoning behind it? They mm. think it's it's an illusion. They think if they reach that income or if they reach that goal weight, then they'll be happy. But it's like, well, no, there's so many other factors to focus on while you um, mm. reach your goal. So yeah, focusing on different metrics aside from the scale is very important because mm. as we've mentioned, there are so many factors that can alter the scale and you don't want to go back to your default of being in a diet, like as Mm -hmm. tempting as it may be, and we've all been there for sure, you need to use those other metrics as like um, to build your confidence and say, no, I am heading in the right direction
0: yeah a question i love to ask people as well if they're sort of they'll come to me with a goal weight they go oh yeah i really want to get to like 60 kilos whatever it might be i'll go oh i like when was the last time you're that no i'll ask them those questions and i'll say would you still be happy if you like improved your body composition but you would remain the same weight? like is it the weight that you really want or is it something else and they'll go they'll have to think about it because they haven't actually it and they'll go Oh, like I get like if I looked better and if I lost fat and I was the same weight, I guess it wouldn't matter. And it's like confusing for them because they're like, they haven't thought about it and i'm like cool because that's like i need to make sure that that's okay because that's what i know that's what's going to happen when people start training properly and more mm-hmm. often than not when they invest in coaching that's actually what happens right they start training properly they start prioritizing the recovery they start using other metrics and they start actually making the progress they actually want not the progress they think they want they think they want that weight loss and i'm like you just want to improve your body composition right you want to build some muscle and grow some glutes or lose a bit of body fat is that what you actually want or do you want 60 kilos because i can just like not feed you and get you there quite quickly, but I don't know if that's going to make you happy. Is that going to make you happy? And it's sort of that like catalyst for change where people, you don't know what questions you ask yourself, right? And this is the piece. You don't know what you don't know. And everything works until it does them. And that's the whole point around challenges and things like f45 and that sort of stuff a lot of people work really hard and it works at the start and they go i i was doing f45 six days a week and i made such epic results it's like cool me too (laughs) and then you get to that next level and it's like everything works until it doesn't and then you have to find the next thing that works and then the next thing and that's just the way it is and if we get too married to a goal weight a type of training a training split whatever it might be a a calorie range a weight whatever if we get too attached to one thing we will never allow our Ourselves to find the next new catalyst that we actually need for change.
1: Yeah, 100%. Imagine if we kept repeating habits in our lifestyle and went to the the gym. Gary in the gym we went to the same coffee shop for the rest of our life you know and there are people like that you know um even in my family you can I can predict where they are because they're doing the same thing forever which good on them but I just I just could not where's the gross why would you keep trying to do the same thing um the only exception is sports that have a weigh-in requirement you know um there was recently a powerlifting comp, and I was watching all the athletes go in the sauna and try and drop crazy weight then refeed and you know or if you're a boxer you need to weigh a certain amount it different exceptions again that's a whole another discussion but i just wanted to put it out there there are some goals where you do actually require a goal weight um but that's just for a moment in time before an event it's not a lifestyle change or it's not yeah the goals that we're talking about today so yeah. definitely
0: yeah and then the second thing which we spend a lot of time talking about where people go wrong is just training like I think a lot of people they give way too much credit to nutrition and like yes I'm not saying nutrition is not like you know really important but it is just as important as training like 50 50 people think it's like oh 90% in the kitchen you know that old <laughs> saying. and I'm like no it's not who told you that like who <laughs> told you that that's gen pop for weight loss right it's not what we're talking about yes it's mostly nutrition but 50-50 50% importance in nutrition 50% importance in training like nutrition gives you the um catalyst or sorry nutrition gives you the energy for growth um or change but then training is the catalyst or the stimulus for that actual change and you know how a lot of people use the building analogy um they go oh you need you know bricks to build a house so they say that with <laughs> nutrition right and i'm like you need a, a builder to take the bricks, to build the house. And that's what the stimulus is when it comes to actual training. So I think too many people go, I want to change my body composition. What do I need to do with my nutrition? Do I need to eat less? Um, And it's like, no, you probably actually need to look at your training first. And it's my... Um, favorite way to approach changes because I think it is so depressing to just eat less and move more. So depressing. Um, And we can't use that as a means for change all the time. And like I said, everything works until it doesn't. That's going to work at the start. And then your body's going to go through adaptation cycles. It's going to really defend um, a weight and you're just going to be eating less and moving more until it becomes too much. Mm. So if we can actually bring more intent and intensity to your training and get you to train smarter, um, work on technique, like get more out of less Volume, um, and, and go against the norms that everyone says, that is a far more sustainable and enjoyable uh, way to progress.
1: Yeah. You can't grow muscle if you're not training. So the misconception is you like, losing weight can happen in the kitchen. And people used to say 90-10, but we're talking about building muscle, body recomposition. You can't do that as well in a deficit. Well, and you definitely can't do it if you're not training. You need that stimulus on your muscle to grow. So 50-50 when it comes to training and nutrition with body recomp, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you've been eating low calories for a period of time, because I know this is quite common, like Maintaining like a chronic calorie deficit, probably anything that's above maybe 16 weeks. I'd say if you've been eating like low calories for quite a few months now, your body's just going to go through metabolic adaptation. It's going to downregulate and you're not even going to know. Your training will just stop progressing. You'll think you're training hard because hard is subjective, but you're still not applying progressive overload. You're not getting stronger over time. And even though strength and hypertrophy are like two separate things, getting stronger over time is a good sign that you're actually laying down new muscle tissue right i mean like it's of a, course it's a chicken or the egg so it's about realizing that your training is just equally as important and i can't express that enough because it's been mm. my experience where i always fixated on nutrition for a long period of time and just did the training it was just going through the motions um but then when i flipped it and was like okay just eat for growth and just eat stop fixating on it so much and like stop Try to hit everything to the fucking gram for God's sake and really focus on your training, like really push that, man, my carb tolerance went up real quick too. Like I was hungry, that I could eat more food, then I could train harder, I could recover better, I could grow more tissue, right? It's this like catalyst for change. So that's definitely Perfect. the second one. But mm-hmm. I think lining up with that comes poor recovery, Right, because it again, like eating less and moving more, only works for a short period of time and should only be done in small doses. Um, eventually, we have to give back to our body to enhance our recoverability.
1: Yeah, and the knowledge around the importance of recovery is becoming more prevalent. More people are preaching it. It's becoming, you know, more um, acceptable to to own your rest days, and and a rest day doesn't mean you still do three hours of a hike or big activities, like no actual rest days. You might do a light walk during the day, but let your body recover. Like every time, when I went through that phase in the start of the year where I was just unwell and I needed like a week off training all the time, I would always look and feel better after literally just spending a week on the couch without training, without focusing on diet, um, just focusing on recovery I was less puffy, like holding less inflammation from literally just not doing anything. Um, mm. So in that aspect, like I'm not saying everyone needs a week on the couch, but obviously I did because I got to the point where I was well, not recovered well at all, and then my body just thanked me and goes, oh, finally we get that time off. Like we've all been through times like that where you just recognise that that time off helps you. Um, it doesn't always mean resting from everything, You know, that's not always the magic answer, but you need to schedule in rest days within your week or even times of the day. We just can't always be on um, because, yeah, you can only push so hard before it sort of comes crashing down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like to use um like a battery analogy for this too. Like when you wake up in the morning, if you've had a good night's sleep, hopefully you're waking up with 100% battery, like your iPhone, 100% fully charged. When you go to the gym, you might drain 20%. Even though it's good stress, it's still stress. Drain 20% of that battery, you've got 80%. You come home, you have something to eat, you have a flight for your partner, there goes another 5%. You go to work, you're stuck within the road, there's traffic, there goes another 20%, right? And you spend a full day working, there's 40%, right? You get to the end of the day, whether it's good or bad stress from training or other stresses in your life or anything, being sick, right, you're waking up 50%. Anything, you drain, your battery is going to be drained, and we can only recover from the amount of energy or charge that we have. And it's why it's so important to not just like sit your phone on the desk, but just to plug it into the charger and make sure that you can fuel that up um, so that you're starting with 100%. But moreover, that recovery piece is just so important because if you wake up, you've had a bad night's sleep, you've been sick, you're probably going through stressful periods during that time, Danny, where you weren't fully charged. Um, it's important to take that into consideration because then you go to the gym, you only got 30% battery just drain it and it's like that's not leaving you any room for growth Mm. so there's no point sticking to the same schedules and the same routines if you're not the same person and if you're not going through the same recoverability and i've definitely gone through this it's been a three-week deload for me and i think this is the advantage of having been consistent for a very long period of time like muscle maturity muscle memory it ain't going anywhere when you've been lifting for a long time and it's actually like quite a common practice for i guess people that have more advanced have been training for a period to have time off the gym because like you said, you lose inflammation, you have that week off, you allow yourself to recover. When you train hard, it's hard not to push. Um, and I find it hard not to de- like to deload and just go, oh just lift lighter like my ego doesn't like that. So sometimes it's actually better for me just to remove myself mm-hmm. and make sure that I can go in fully charged, even if that means having a week off. You're not going to go backwards. It's just like having a holiday.
1: Yeah, that is so good. I love that analogy. I could visualize the battery emptying and then, you know, when you said putting it on the charger, being sleeping, nutrition, social, you know, Mm -hmm. removing mental stress from your life, they're all little things that can help charge your battery and it's so important. And we do learn the hard way or even me, the other last week no Monday because I was due for my period it came yesterday and I knew okay I need a deload Mm. but I didn't deload as hard as what I should and then when I was training I'm like okay my body actually feels like trash like you know when you get your period your ligaments are more lax and you can't brace as well and and all of that I I was on my high horse I'm like yeah I'll call it a deload but I'll still push hard you know a bit of ego came into it and then I regretted it in that moment and now I'm wearing the repercussions I feel a little bit broken but you know because I, I didn't learn the lesson you know so we can saying it is one thing doing it is another but the the intent was there because, you know, our awareness is around it, but it's still a bit of trial and error. How mm-hmm. hard do I need to rest? If you don't rest hard enough or deload hard enough, your body will just eventually tell you or your mind, you know, you might feel really stressed and anxious and all of that. So it's going to come eventually be smart now and address it before it escalates. Mm. There's two things that I've really changed my mind on in
0: the last couple of years as well. And that is around training volume. Um, and then also um, deloading, which is another thing that I sort of routinely include now where I feel like I've, I I have warrant that deload. Um, and now I feel like if I don't take the deload, the deload takes me. And I think a lot of people go, I don't deload. And it's like, you do. It's just that you go on a holiday, yep. you have a bad session, you pull back, you you miss you miss a day, you cut off that one exercise, you're deloading without you know it. Um, and yeah, like when I first started, maybe the, I reckon I've probably trained solid for about a year without actually taking a proper deload. Um, mm. When my intensity was increasing, and I remember the the one week and the one session where I gassed it, and my nervous system was fried for like I couldn't train for like a week, um, and I had the whole week off. And then that was when I was like, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I need to start including some deloads. Um, and I found the sweet spot like every five weeks for me, and the girls at TWS. Is it around spot. your
1: cycle? Has it I got to d- do with it?
0: Yeah, sometimes. Like I will play it by year, depending. To be honest, um, if. If I feel like it's a heavy cycle and like I'm going to be hit with symptoms um, or if life's stressful, uh, more stressful, I know that's just another drainer. Again, it depends on my battery because for my cycle, like I'm quite fortunate, I don't experience a lot of PMS symptoms. Um, but if my battery's already a bit taxed, then I know that me getting my cycle is just going to tank it. So it really depends on other stresses, but generally about every five weeks, four weeks was too much. Um, too frequently every five weeks I have a deload now and for my ego it's nice to have a planned deload um, and go oh it's my deload rather than feeling like oh now I've got a pullback and the deload's taking me so I think um, personality and everything really does come into play with how you want to pull back because there's no wrong way to do it I drop intensity I don't know about you I leave my volume and I drop my intensity Um, sometimes I might change volume depending but generally I'll reduce intensity but there's no wrong way to do it when it comes to deloading it's just about whatever you need to do and like i said some people have a week off training and i'm full advocate if you need to do that as well Mm. there's nothing wrong with it whatever's going to keep you training for the longest with the intensity there that's a successful deload but once you start training hard um, and you do have a lot of strength about you i'm i believe everyone should be deloading at some stage when they get to that point
1: Yeah, I wouldn't force a deload. I love what you were saying around sort of seeing how you feel. You don't just say, okay, it's definitely week five now. I must deload. Like if you're still feeling good, you can still go with it. And then maybe the next week you could have a deload. So people, I think, take deloading a little bit too literally. Or I remember in the past, my clients, or like years ago, they'd be like, oh, so we schedule a deload every four weeks. I read that somewhere. Are we going to do that? And it's like, well, no, there's no point in having a deload when you don't need it. But then there's that art of tuning into your body, knowing your own patterns, knowing your stress levels outside of the gym and, and all of that. So a deload is really about tuning in, knowing, trying to predict when you might need it without it being too late, as you were saying, letting it take you, but then also deloading in a way that doesn't drop training morale completely or Mm. that isn't a cop-out, you know. Not everyone might need a whole week off the gym or you might want to go walk outside or, you know, play a sport as a a different deload. Um, So it does look different for everyone. Really good point that you made just then.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And the last thing that I think, um, where a lot of people go wrong, and I'm saying women, but I, I like it's just generalized to be honest. Uh, it's not necessarily just women, just we're just speaking about it, uh, is expectations. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they don't have solid expectations going into a building phase or a fat loss phase or just any phase in general. Um, and I think it's, really important something i do and i'm sure you do danny as well is like make sure that as a coach you're setting clear expectations we go through like a goal setting process we have a checklist for a dieting phase and maintenance and a surplus so people really know what they're getting themselves in for because i think that yeah we we see a lot on socials but it's like you know what your growing phase might not go like mine your growing phase might be three years in the making to get you to where you want to be and growth is slow um fat loss is fast and often we compare ourselves to other people hence why the challenges are getting shorter and shorter and, shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just base our results on someone else. And literally, I have to say this because I was like, when I saw this, I was like, mind blown. But there's this, um, I guess, you know, influencer guy that like I respect a lot. And mm. I was looking at some of his content and he put these transformations, you know, all these clients and his challenge whatever it was. And I was swiping through it. Anyways, and there was this one guy on the front picture and I was like, that's an epic transformation. Like, and I was looking through and I'm like, wow, these are pretty solid for a challenge. Clicked on the first guy's profile and I was scrolling down and I saw the same before and after but it was three years apart.
1: Oh my so God. this before
0: and after was three years apart. Cause I'm kidding you not. It was like bigger, like quite overweight and then sh- completely shredded, like mm. get on stage. And I was like, there's no way they did this in this challenge. And he was the winner of the challenge. Um, and that's why he was the first on the thing. And I was like, yeah maybe he did a really good transformation and he looks amazing epic result maybe he had a great transformation in this 12-week challenge however the photo that he's using for marketing and the photo that they're advertising is actually three years apart and this that makes is, me yeah, sick it makes me sick because I really like this guy um and I was like I don't <laughs> I don't know <laughs> who it is <laughs> no, you yes. want Um, but I was like these are the false expectations that are set up one like I know it's a guy so it's very different but two this is three
1: different as a guy
0: yeah that's true that's true Mm. um but i think i think like even when i was scrolling through it he had females in there too and i was like I, I don't trust anything in here now, no. and I think you know this is why I'm not massive on before and afters, and even on the women's health movement, we don't really share a lot of them because I think a lot of the wins don't come from the physical changes exactly. that people actually achieve. Um, and I think it sends false messaging because I don't want to sell based off a physical result. To be honest, because yep. we all work towards goals, and we think we're working towards the weight loss goal, we're not. We're working towards a feeling. Um, we're working towards confidence. We're working towards accomplishment. We're working towards being inspired or inspiring our family or role modeling whatever it is we're working towards a feeling not necessarily a physical outcome um but moreover i just think having clear expectations for you shutting off the blinds to everyone else and we used to talk about this a lot um even with comp prep right danny like staying in our own lane not letting the blinkers on we need to treat um any chapter that we're going through with the same respect
1: yeah, that's unreal. Naturally, I'm gonna ask you off air who it was, but no, I won't prompt anyone. You know, it is everywhere. You just highlighted one instance, like it is literally everywhere. So again, as the consumer of content, we all need to just keep our eyes open for stuff like that because it is out there. Marketing is misleading, you know, that's a lot of people's strategy anyway. Um, just know it's still out there, but As you were mentioning, you know, set the expectations with yourself and your clients or yourself and your coach as well, just to know that your journey will look different to the next person's. Even if you had a twin, your journey will still be different to them because there are so many elements to health that you want to improve on your journey rather than just the before and after. So, yeah, I mean, it's one thing. To use for marketing but it's becoming a bit dry no one really cares as much anymore mental health issues are are skyrocketing and people just want to feel good as well so i can't wait for the complete revolution of our industry to become more healthy it's on its way um but you know people still resort back to the default before and after physical transformations and they completely discount or don't even talk about the mental transformations which you know, a way more important, which that's what we're about. But small steps with all that stuff, I, I reckon.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, it's probably never fully going to go away because, Mm. I mean, like everyone um, is gravitated towards things that seem impossible. And what we do on social media these days is because we are, we have trust issues and we don't know what's real anymore, whether it's filters or, like I said before and afters, we don't actually know what's real or what's achievable. Um, So we're always, as humans, on the hunt for being able to be like, is this possible for me? And that's why people go, how tall are you? How long apart? They're trying Mm. to gauge whether it's possible for them because they want to relate and they want to feel like they can achieve that result too because no one cares when we're looking at Warren Buffer or someone that's like a a millionaire. We go, no, can't. Like it's not possible for me. So we don't even fixate on that content. But when it's someone that's relatable or something that's relatable, we're always going, is this possible for me too? Um, Is that a filter? Did you airbrush that? Everyone's just trying to grasp onto something that they can actually achieve too. But it's a a little bit of a trap because I think it's unfortunate that we have to feel like everything's not achievable. Um, But honestly, it's because the things that seem quite achievable, they're not sexy because they go, I can do that too. So it's like this catch 22 because I understand from a marketing perspective, what people are doing. And I don't know if this guy even knew that, like, I don't know. Um, But it's just something that I've always got my radar up with of like, what's the expectations. Um, And I know a lot of people say like, you know, set the benchmark high, set big goals, be ambitious. I'm actually the opposite. I think we need micro goals. I think we need small steps. Um, I think we need to work towards achievable goals to build like self-efficacy and a belief in ourselves to keep moving forward because I know that you and everyone listening to this and myself included, if we just stay consistent, we will get there. We will get to wherever we want to get. We're always going to do it. But if we set huge, big benchmarks and then we jump and leap and trying to get them and fall down, the repercussions on our confidence and self-esteem are going to stop us from being consistent. And that's when people lose out is because they give up, they don't know how to move forward and they sort of get into this victim mentality. But just drawing all that summary together, like expectations, poor recovery, training, and then really avoiding the actual weight gain or the fat gain um, that's required for growth, they're the key things that a lot of people let themselves down with.
1: Yeah, yeah. What a wrap-up. So getting into just some key takeaways to to end the episode, I really enjoyed that one. Um, Don't fear the weight gain, guys. You know, muscle weighs more than fat. There are so many factors that can lead to weight gain, you know, stress, poor sleep, all of that. So get your metrics, have a whole bunch of different metrics that you can use to measure. That's not just the scale because you will weigh something different every day, okay? There's so many factors into scale weight. Don't fear the weight gain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you guys know from listening to us, hopefully for a long time, um, training is going to be your biggest catalyst for physical change anyways. Like, yes, nutrition is really important. We need to supply the bricks, um, but you also need the builder that's quite talented and consistent and shows up very reliable, uh, which is your training and making sure that you you put just as much effort into that. And no, it doesn't have to be perfect. But like I said, if you stay consistent um, and you go into the gym with an intent of what you're actually trying to achieve, it's only a matter of time. The only downfall to that is it requires patience and time and a lot of people aren't actually willing to put in the effort that's required to build muscle mass and that's okay i think that's fine like not everyone has to but it's just about (laughs) again aligning
1: those expectations uh, with that too give things time and have that patience because if you work towards a goal then achieve it the next day you're not going to appreciate it guys we and we always talk about it you know people who win tats lotto don't have the skills to handle money so they blow it or you might get awarded a pro card really easily without you know working for it and then you haven't become the person that feels worthy of that goal anyway so try not to focus so much on the end goal but those small steps that Cheryl was saying enjoy each part they're painful they're challenging they're emotional but that's where the growth is because when you reach that goal you will be a different person you'll feel worthy of the goal you'll be able to handle it you'll be able to maintain it so Mm. the gold is really in being patient and giving it time.
0: Yeah. Something I like to remind myself um, as well is like when I'm going through something, that's challenging. It doesn't have to be fitness related, but I always remind myself when I'm going through something that's hard, that requires effort, like nothing worth having ever comes easy. And whenever I reflect back on like, I guess some of the proudest moments of my life it's always come after a big lull or a big period of struggling or or pushing through or just dragging my feet Um, and then you actually end up achieving something and it's the accomplishment piece of overcoming a hurdle that you're usually really proud of and they're the pieces that you actually remember so put in the time put in the effort um, and remember that like anything's possible dare I say when it comes to body recomposition Um, but we did hope you enjoyed this episode on you know building muscle whilst also losing body fat please let us know if you did. Uh, And of course, uh, do take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story and don't forget to tag Level Up Podcast. Thanks everyone.